and welcome to WCW Nitro on TNT. I'm Eric Bischoff, along with Bobby the Brain Heenan, Steve Mongo McMichael, and what a development here. We are live, and moments ago, apparently, Jimmy Hart paid off not only Harlem Heat, but the giant who was scheduled to be Sting's tag team partner in a match that was made this Saturday night, and we are off and running here, and it's Sting against the giant. Totally unexpected. We're gonna try to, to bring you the footage. I mean, it happened moments ago. We'll try to bring it to you in a few minutes, but right now it is Sting going after the giant ball. That's it, Stinger. He's like jacking the beanstalk. He got an ax out and he's chopping on those legs first, baby. Well, he's gonna have to keep him down. He can't match strength with this man. Nobody in this sport can match strength with this giant. Sting, as capable as he is in that ring, he's gonna have to come up with something, and punching that man won't do it. It is, Stinger's out there. He is taking rights, he's taking lefts, but it's like going after Mount Rushmore. And now, Stinger coming up the ropes. Ducking under, and Jeff ricocheting off the massive chest of this 440-pound monster, Jimmy Hart. Envelope in hand. I'm sure it had to be a bribe. He got not only Harlem Heat to bite, he got the giant to bite. Premeditated bribery and Stinger reeling from that elbow drop right across his chest. This monster oh. of a human being rifles him into the guardrails. Well, I almost threw him through the guardrails. He almost went in 19 different directions, 19 different pieces. This man means business. And Jimmy Hart, I just call him a sharp businessman. How, how did this come about? He, he must be smarter than I gave him credit for. That was either a payola or a summons for the Harlem Heat. I don't know. He may be richer than we gave him credit for. Did you see the monster? The giant picks Sting up and just launches him over the top rope. And the now, floor. the giant. Look at the size of this man. Everyone thought they were gonna come and see Sting and the Giant take on Harlem Heat. Obviously, Jimmy Hart had another idea. Sting, it's a tough business. Oh, look at this! He's got him! He's gonna choke slam him right over the top rope! Look at this! Oh, the drop kill! Oh, did you see that vertical leap? You know he's an athlete. He got up off the floor and got out of that choke slam the only way you can. Hold it, Lex Luger now! Lex Luger hits the ring! And if there's any questions about Lex Luger, well, I never had any questions about him. I always knew he was Sting's partner. I just thought Sting should keep his mouth shut. Oh, that man's got two faces, baby. But he don't have any allegiance to the Giant. He's got to come in there and help Sting. Sting, remember what Lex thing? Luger. The only reason you're alive is because Lex is there. I'd like to know what the commentary was between Jimmy Hart and Luger. This one has really got me baffled. The opening moments here. And we alive on Nitro is unpredictable as ever. Well, you don't have to be a member of the LAPD to figure out this case. Jimmy Hart is involved. Got for 
be World Tag Team title match, Sting and the Giant against Harlem Heat. WCW executive committee said, no way, Giant cannot step in for Lex Luger, but nonetheless, it was supposed to be tag team action. Apparently, Jimmy Hart stepping in just moments before the show opened up with a payoff, Eden. Well, I'm not saying it was a payoff. It was a big envelope, and it said confidential on Harlem Heat. Well, there it is right there. You can see Jimmy Hart's got the envelope. Welcome to where the big boys play. Welcome to 20 Years of Nitro our week-by-week breakdown of WCW's flagship show, where each episode is reviewed on the 20th anniversary of its airing. I am your host, Tim Root, and with me, as always, is my broadcast partner, Dave Amantorp. Dave, how are you doing this week? I'm doing good. Uh, April Fool's. Uh, I'm actually doing awful. <laughs> you got me. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, that was a good joke. April Fool's, it was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> We are coming at you live this week. Uh, it is, of course, April 1st, 1996, and we are in Cleveland, Ohio, in front of 7,000 fans, 3,831 of whom paid for a total gate of $47,000. Hmm. We are off to a hot start this week, but before we get to any of that, I do want to remind you that you can find us at facebook.com slash 20 years of nitro. You can follow us on Twitter at 20 years of nitro. You can always email the show at 20 years of nitro at gmail.com. And you can find us on the freaking awesome network at freakingawesomenetwork.net. Uh, you may or may not be able to find us on OSW Review, to be honest. Uh, their website has been very um, unreliable as far as my being able to upload episodes. Oh. Uh-oh. And uh, I've tried getting in touch with them and have yet to hear back. <laughs> so we'll see. Uh, hey, you know what? Uh, you wanted to conduct a little experiment, go to PileDriverWrestling.net right now and see if you can find our episode. It'll be a fun little mini-game for you, the home listener. Which, kind of pointless since you're already listening to the episode. <laughs> anyway, as I said, we are off to a hot start this week. As you heard, uh, before we even get the introductory music and video this week, the giant is in the ring confronting Sting. We learn very quickly that uh, it was supposed to be a match with Sting and uh, the Giant taking on Harlem Heat. You may recall last week, the Giant essentially turned babyface. Uh, he had a match with Ric Flair. He was huge over with the crowd. Oh, that's right. Uh, yep. There was really no reason to suspect that he would come into this show uh, once again a heel. But that seemingly is what happened. Uh, we learned from the announcers that right before that match, Jimmy Hart came out and he paid off Harlem Heat to just walk out. And then he paid off the giant to attack Sting instead. So uh, it is remarkable that even this early in his career, the giant is doing face heel turns on a weekly basis. <laughs> like, this is what people make fun of Big Show for in 2016. Yeah. And it literally started, like, immediately. Well, I mean, at least this one had a reason, and that reason was money. Yeah, I, I, hey, it is motivated, but it just makes last week all the more inexplicable. It's it's like they wanted to test uh, a face run for him, mm-hmm. but rather than where you normally would do that, like, um, you know, on house shows or something and see how it gets over, yeah. uh, they just decided to try it one week on Nitro. It kind of reminds me of um, you and I went to the SmackDown following Money in the Bank 2011, because we went to Money in the Bank 2011. Yep. Then we went to the Raw the following night. Yep. Then we went to SmackDown taping the following night. Yep. And at that SmackDown taping, Sheamus, who was a heel, came out and confronted Wade Barrett, who was like a bigger heel. 
Mm-hmm. And Sheamus got some big cheers. And then he was a heel for like two or three more weeks before he went like full baby face. It's like a test run. Yeah, it's just like seeing what the audience reaction is going to be. Except for, in this case, it's the giant and he did it. They tested it in a main event match for the championship right? <laughs> before reverting him to heel the following week. Yeah. What I thought was weird was uh, the fact that Jimmy Hart paying out the wrestlers, that just changes the match officially. Yeah. Well, it's very weird. Did a bell ring to start this match? Um. Oh, to start the Giant versus Sting? Right. I don't. I don't think we heard it. Yeah. It's it's weird because this doesn't seem like an official match. Um. But they are wrestling, and Randy Anderson is in the ring, mm-hmm. like by all means refereeing like it's a match. Uh. To start off with, Sting spits at the Giant, and the Giant charges with a clothesline. Sting ducks and hits some punches. He then gets a chop block on the Giant's knee and goes up to the top rope and hits a top rope chop block to the Giant's knee. <laughs> the Giant no-sells some punches and then no-sells a Sting crossbody, and the Stinger is down. He just lets Sting, like, crossbody into him. He doesn't catch him or anything. He just stands there like a brick wall. Yeah. He then tosses Sting to the outside and then into some guardrails. He picks up Sting and tosses him back into the ring over the top rope in a very impressive strength spot that I always love seeing out of the Giant. Yeah, I, I feel like early on they're doing a lot of stuff to really emphasize that the Giant has a great advantage with his size. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, it, I think f- maybe some people would think it's goofy that Sting bounces off of him, but I think it's a very effective way of just showing, like, no, you can't do the normal move set to take down the Giant. It just doesn't work that way. Especially because we see Sting routinely win matches with the crossbody. Yeah. So for it to be, like, completely not effective here is is pretty telling. Yeah, I don't how many times has Bubba Rogers lost to that? <laughs> At least twice on Nitro. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Giant goes for a choke slam uh, from the ring apron. So Sting is in the ring. The Giant's on the other side. He picks Sting up for a choke slam. Uh, but Sting kind of hits a drop kick like on his way up. Yeah. It's it's just a glancing blow. And the Giant crashes to the floor, despite the fact that he is quite literally holding on to a rope with the other hand. <laughs> he gets lightly tapped, and he still manages to fall backwards. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he crashes into the guardrail, and before he can get back in the ring and uh, get revenge on the Stinger, Lex Luger shows up to defend his tag team partner, and the bell rings like it's the DQ of a real match. So right. I guess that was a match, even though it never really started officially. There was also a moment after Lex Luger got into the ring where Randy Anderson looked at the two and didn't know if he should disqualify <laughs> him or not. But it was like five seconds, then he was like, oh, that's right, you can't do that, you can't come in the ring. The Giant and Jimmy Hart retreat as the Giant screams into the camera, covering it in spit as he is one to do. Bischoff welcomes us to the show and recaps the bribery story, complete with uh, replays of before the show went on the air where we see Jimmy Hart paying off Harlem Heat. And it's kind of odd. It, it, what it reminded me of is that thing in shows, it seems like, that they started in the, in the early 2000s, where a show will go like, it'll start with an insane scene. Mm-hmm. And then you'll get your theme song, and then after the first commercial break, they'll come back and it'll be like, seven hours earlier. Yeah. This was like the live sports equivalent of that. Right. Um, by, it, the, by the way, I hate those storylines. Uh, unless unless it's like really well like structured out. Yeah. When I, when I see like the 24 hours earlier, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> I, I like it, but I think it's been overdone to this point. Yeah. Um, in terms of how it worked on this show... I don't like it. I think it's kind of awkward and weird, Mm -hmm. but I appreciate them trying something completely different. So even if I didn't think it worked very well, I still applaud the effort of trying something in a wrestling show that I've never seen before. Yeah, and 
I don't know what the it just the thing that's weird about it is that there was originally a tag team match, and regardless, they were starting off the intros like before the show started. Right. That to me would seem really weird. I think it worked well because I think like the whole paying off live would have been kind of like weird. Yeah. But like going back and maybe kind of like cutting it down a little bit. Um, I also just like the fact that uh, he gave him a giant Manila envelope that had just yeah. a, like a check in it. <laughs> yeah. And because uh, like if it's just a check, you could imagine like any amount on there, like maybe fifteen dollars was all it took. <laughs> Uh, I was trying to think of something funny that Harlem Heat could go buy with $15, and I have to admit that every single thing yeah. I thought of was like, oh, that sounds racist. Yeah. Even <laughs> things that weren't overtly racist, I was like, ah, it's just going to sound bad. Right. <laughs> uh, did you catch this? in in When Bischoff is going through those replays, he adds a very odd uh, like wrinkle into the storyline that has no effect on the storyline at large, but... In, ter- in like context, it made me have so many fucking questions. He says, uh, he's, he's talking about what happened, where they, they paid him off. And then he goes, the WCW executive committee had already ruled that the Giant could not stand in for Lex Luger. Uh, well, he said that as far as defending the titles. Okay. But, like, why? Luger's there. He's in the building. He comes out. Yeah. Why is the Giant standing? Here's my questions. Why is the Giant standing in for Luger in the first place? Was that announcement made before, like, Jimmy Hart came out with the bribe? Did they announce that to the live show? Why didn't Lex just come out with... I, it, it just all seems... It just seems like a added storyline bit mm-hmm. that needlessly complicates what should have been a simple thing. <laughs> right. Just say they were tag teaming. Yeah. I don't really care why. But as soon as you get into, like, well, they wanted to tag team, but it wasn't... They weren't really legally going to tag team. Yeah. But then they kind of were, but then uh, they decided not to. Yeah. Just, like, just... <laughs> no, they were going to team, and then the Giant got paid off. Keep it simple. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I mean, I understand why Luger wasn't doing it, because he's in the main event. Oh, I suppose. I suppose. Uh, we don't know that as an audience yet, though. Okay. So that detail yeah. at the time it's given makes no sense. Yeah. I suppose later you could contextualize it. You're right. No, but it, it is really weird. It's... um. It's one of those, I mean, it kind of seems like they're trying to do a storyline where Sting has to defend the titles with other partners. Right. Because Luger is like, Jimmy Hart's making sure he's contractually obligated just to look out for Luger and not look out for the tag team titles. Mm-hmm. But uh, they there's no explanation to that. And if you don't explain it, you're just wondering why is Sting agreeing to team with other guys instead. You know what's weird is we've previously been led to believe that Jimmy Hart has power over Lex Luger, and in his own words, mm-hmm. he can tell Lex Luger what to wear. So why is Lex Luger battling Ric Flair in the main event for the championship? Shouldn't who? Because Jimmy Hart likes Ric Flair. Shouldn't Lex Luger just be like uh, up against Hulk Hogan and the Booty Man and Randy Savage every week, just destroying Jimmy Hart's enemies? Right. But another thing is, Lex Luger has a tag team title and a television title yeah. already. I mean, he, I don't think that like it's a, Jimmy Hart should be like he needs more titles. Oh, I disagree there. I want to <laughs> see him with all the titles. Well, and and, <laughs> and even so, um, as you won't hear later, they don't really mention that at all. That he could be like a three. No, they do because Mongo speculates that Luger is trying to unite all the belts, which makes no sense as one is a tag team title. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's always it's always really weird when Mongo is the one that kind of brings in something that makes sense. <laughs> 
We learned tonight that Ric Flair is going to be defending his championship against Lex Luger. Hulk Hogan and the Booty Man are going to be wrestling Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan. Oh, Help boy. me, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder I wonder if that was the reaction when Arn Anderson saw the saw the match. <laughs> oh, wait, or was this set up last week? I don't believe so. I can't recall that I there was any I, setup I, to this I mean, other I've, than all these men have been yeah, feuding I, lately. I feel like that they it was like it wasn't resolved from last week, but I don't remember them uh, if they announced that match already. So if Arn Anderson showed up and was like, guess who you get to wrestle again? <laughs> that was probably a segment on Saturday night of him seeing the sheet and just being like, fuck me. <laughs> it's the first one they have to censor the stuff that he says. <laughs> After a commercial, we come back and uh, we are going to get a triangle to egg match. And here to call all of the action is our own Dave Amantorp. All right. Um, well, I first... To start this off, I want to kind of set where everyone is so you can kind of, like, visualize it a lot easier. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're when you're watching the show from, like, the camera side, uh, the, the front, like, the nearest left corner is where the Nasty Boys are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the front most right corner is where the Steiners are. And then the back left corner is where the Road Warriors are. And the back right corner, no one's there. Because uh, there's going to be a lot of references to going to different corners, and I just thought it would be a good way to kind of, so if someone can visualize it or, or mentally like uh, have visualize it. it. Visualize. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's probably a good time to note here that when the match started, I had no idea why that fourth corner wasn't taken up by Public Enemy. Yeah. I, I mean, there, there. You mm-hmm. kind of get an explanation later on. Yeah. But this whole thing seems awkward that there's three tag teams involved mm-hmm. uh and and it is the wcw triangle match rules where there's only two men in the ring they can just tag in other people at any time yeah and and i i i mean i still don't like that no I, it's, I, I, don't, I don't care for it at all i don't like the idea like so the road warriors are the team that's left out at the beginning of this match in theory they might never factor into the match in if in a if kayfabe, if this was all real, if it was a legitimate sport, yeah, no one would ever tag in one of the road warriors. It would make mm-hmm. no sense to do so. Yeah, it I it, I just can't stand the the illogic of these types of matches. They drive me crazy. So it makes it a little bit weirder because at the very beginning of this match, there's like some indecision as far as who's going to start the match because uh, Rick Steiner is kind of being left to start, but he doesn't really want to, and he kind of like. He, he kind of, like, invites his brother Scott to do it instead, but Scott pretty much ignores him until he finally gets into the ring. Um, so, eventually, Rick gets into the ring, and he, he starts off against Brian Knobs. So, right away, Brian Knobs is taunting Rick as Rick circles around the ring, woofing like a dog. Meanwhile, Mongo... Um, this another time he uses his word apropos. Yes, he certainly did. <laughs> I it, it like it. It's like a dart when I every time I hear it. Uh, so we begin with uh, punch, 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 punch until Knobs gains the advantage at Rams. Uh, Rick's noggin into the nearby turnbuckle. This is the uh, unoccupied turnbuckle. After a couple of forearms, Knobs whips Rick off the ropes and tries to hurdle the Steiner, only to be caught and slammed onto the mat. During this time, Bobby Heenan tries to understand the Road Warrior conundrum is the fact that they're outside the ring, but he gets no traction from Eric Bischoff. Rick drops an elbow and goes for a nonchalant cover, but Jerry Sags is quick to come in and break up the count. This brings in Brother Scott, who just obliterates Jerry Sags with a dropkick in retaliation. 
and and so here's the first time and i'm just gonna preface this um rick goes against the ropes and animal makes the blind tag um just so you know the blind tag is basically when someone tags in and either one or both of the competitors right in the ring doesn't see it you're gonna hear blind tag a lot in this <laughs> match because that's basically how everyone gets into the ring um so this this uh brian obviously at this point is distracted so animal hits him with the clothesline right away uh animal hits an elbow drop uh himself and it's one of those elbow drops where he jumps way up in the air like classic animal style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, then he gets knobs up, whips him off the ropes, but miscalculates a leap and gets a throat full of ropes himself. Knobs covers enough, uh, recovers enough to tag in Jerry Sags, who takes Animal corner to corner for a running clothesline. The first quarter they started in belonged to the Road Warriors, which gave Hawk the chance to get a blind tag on Animal. The other corner is full of Steiners, which gave Scott the opportunity to tag in by full of Steiners, it's just full infested of- with Steiners. <laughs> Don't go in that corner. It's got a real <laughs> Steiner problem. <laughs> They've been working on it for weeks. You <laughs> don't want to get Steiners. You have to use a special shampoo. <laughs> it is impossible to get rid of. Uh, so he gets in the corner full of Steiners, which gave Scott the opportunity to tag in by hitting Sags upside the head. Kick, forearm, and a pump handle slam for Hawk, courtesy of a pumped-up Scott Steiner. The two combatants take each, o- each other out with dual clotheslines. Once they get back to their feet, Scott... Uh, lures Hawk in to attack him, which he tries to do with the running shoulder block, but he gets but Scott gets out of the way and Hawk uh, hits the ring post and stumbles to the arena floor. Can I note at this point, Scott Steiner's mullet is really amazing because it's it's yeah. not like uh, some other guys where their mullet is kind of hiding like thinning hair. He has very thick, yeah. luxurious hair mm-hmm. that is just in a. I don't want to say resplendent because I feel like resplendent is a word that people only use for mullets nowadays for some reason <laughs> right but like it's just this this mane of hair yeah. jet black that just flies behind him it's amazing yeah there he has a full-on commitment to the mullet absolutely um and i always like during the time because like animal has his like weird road warrior mullet ish yeah. thing going on yeah um <laughs> uh, so so hawk is on the arena floor when he, when he gets up uh, there's a double sledgehammer, sledgehammer off the apron from Scott Steiner, which I note is the first time Eric Bischoff actually calls a move for this match. <laughs> Back in the ring, Scott reclaims, uh, Hawk reclaims control with his patented delayed neckbreaker, which always looks like he actually breaks our neck. Oh, yeah, that, that move is pretty Rough. sick. It, 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 I've never heard of anyone actually getting injured from it, Yeah. so it seems that he does it safely. And if that's the case, he does a really good job of making it look like it legitimately hurts. Um, so he followed it up with a fist drop. Only got a two count. Uh, chop, chop. And then he tags Animal, who whips Scott off the ropes for a flying shoulder block. You're also going to hear shoulder blocks a lot, too. <laughs> is this around the time where um, Bobby says, this is for all the marbles about a match that has no titles on the line and the <laughs> champions are not involved in <laughs> I don't remember, <laughs> but that's. It sounds like, like it's one of those cases where the other two aren't really like hyping it up. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, I gotta bring something in here. <laughs> um, off the rope, uh, we go off the ropes again, and Rick Steiner sneaks into clothesline animal before entering the ring. Uh, okay, so Rick Steiner clotheslines animal when he gets when he comes off the ropes, um, and it's really quick. 
uh, and I didn't even notice if he tagged, so I had to like rewind it. But Rick Snyder did get like a really sneaky tag in. Mm. Uh, so he Rick starts a mall animal with uh, another movie you hear a lot, the Reverse Chinlock. He screams like a maniac as he as he delivered forearms to Animal's face, and Hawk has seen enough and he comes in to break up the assault. Scott's now tagged back in and whips Animal off the ropes before flinging him over his head for a very nice belly-to-belly suplex. However, Jerry Sags got the blind tag on Animal and starts pounding on Scott right away. After clearly missing a leg drop, Sags tags and knobs, and together they perform a forearm medley upon Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner's massive back. Scott gets a tag to Brother Rick, who absolutely nails knobs with a close fist to the face. <laughs> And he like he fall he like falls over backwards like in a comical fashion. Uh, he drops knobs with the clothesline after that for a two count. Uh, and then Rick gets in another reverse chin lock um, as Scott comes in to uh, to intercept the interference by Jerry Sags uh, as he tosses the nasty boy to the outside. It's probably worth saying that throughout the match they talk about um, that attack a few weeks ago on the nasty boys that left them hospitalized Mm -hmm. and how the nasties previously the storyline suggested by the announcers was that the nasties weren't being snitches they weren't saying who attacked them yeah the storyline now has morphed into they don't know who attacked them (laughs) i don't know why the change but it's it's definitely noted that this time they bring it up quite a bit that they don't know who attacked them yeah and 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 i know that heenan and mongo kind of go back and forth as far as their guesses and then they both i they both I think stick with the Steiners. They think the Steiners did it. Yeah. Um, so at this point, Bobby Heenan brings up that the that on May 19th at Slamboree, we're going to get the Lethal Lottery, in which uh, it's like a a really kind of strange like round robin tag team tournament, in which uh, everyone's going to get like lottery picked for their tag team partners. Yeah. What if What if Hogan and Kevin Sullivan end up on the same team? <laughs> Yeah, they've, well, d- they've done it before in WCW. Um, it's a cool idea, but I know that they sort of say as a booking rule, it is hard to get people excited about events ahead of time if they don't know what the matches are going to be. Right. Um, so, you know, a match. They do, I think, in the coming weeks, announce who some of the teams are. Mm-hmm. And this this event isn't until, like, the fucking end of May. Yeah. It, it is actually quite a long way from where we're at right now. Right. So they do kind of in a slow drip announce who some of the teams are mm-hmm. ahead of time. And then, oh, and, and we should say that the um, the winning team then takes on each other, yeah. and the winner of that gets a title shot, which seems devalued since title is defended almost every Nitro anyway. Like, <laughs> just kind of given to random people. Yeah. I guess if you're someone like Scott Riggs, who's never going to just be given one on Nitro, yeah. then the Battle Bowl, or not Battle Bowl, excuse me, the Lethal Lottery is something that's good for you. Yeah. But uh, if you're Scott Riggs, I don't think you should look forward to winning the Lethal Lottery. <laughs> <laughs> And and I, as you'll like notice eventually, like some of the bigger guys like Hogan and all that aren't actually in the lethal lottery. Yeah. It seems like it's more reserved for the guys like you said, aren't gonna just be given a title shot. Um. Okay. So we just threw Jag, uh, Jerry Sags to the outside. At this point, Hawk decides just to drop to the arena floor and start to wail on Sags, and then everyone just kind of like goes crazy, and we get a huge six-man brawl, which shockingly. Nick Patrick gets it under control within seconds of it happening, <laughs> which I was just amazed by. And everyone just goes back to the corner. They, they're like, okay, we had our little brawl. Now mm-hmm. we're going to get back to the match. It's crazy. Like, 
I never expected of all guys that Nick Patrick would be like, oh, wait a minute, this is not how it's supposed to go. Um, once we get back in the ring, so now it's still Scott Steiner and Animal. Um, and Animal wants to do a test of strength, but Scott instead just wants to kick him in the gut. Uh, the Steiners corner Animal as Rick comes in, but makes the mistake of whipping Animal across the ring into the Road Warriors corner. He tries to follow up, gets but gets a face full of boot upon his arrival. Now Hawk is tagged in as Rick is on Rubber Leg Street, according to Eric Bischoff. <laughs> which I don't know if that's sort of street you ever want to be mosing down. Doesn't quite have the ring of Suplex City. <laughs> rubber <laughs> no. Leg Street. <laughs> it's off. It's just off the corner of Suplex City, Rubber Leg Street. <laughs> I think this is also around the time when uh, Brain starts saying that the person who attacked the Nasty Boys was probably Art Modell. Yeah, I have that in here <laughs> at some point. Uh, for, for those of you not in the know, they're in Cleveland. Uh, Art Modell was the owner of the Browns who moved them from Cleveland to Baltimore. So yeah. in Cleveland, he was as hated as uh, George Steinbrenner is in my house. Right. And, and and just so you know, like, at this point, he's, like, in his early 70s, too. Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> he's old. And he probably didn't attack the Nasty Boys. Right. <laughs> um, so after Hawk is tagged in, uh, he whips uh, Rick off the ropes and hits yet another shoulder block. And then he gets a reverse chin lock on Rick Steiner. Uh, while Hawk is wearing Rick down with a headlock. Oh, oh that's this is the point. Eric Bischoff ponders about the culprits behind the mugging, <laughs> which Bobby Heenan says. Probably former Cleveland Browns owner <laughs> Art Modell, which uh, y- neither neither person reacts to that. It just kind of drops. Yeah, it's kind of weird because the television audience are the people who care the least about Art. Mo- like it's all the people in the arena who give a shit about right. Art Modell, and they can't hear you. Yeah, I mean, if he like stood up and got a ba- microphone, it was like, do you think it was Art <laughs> Modell? Boo! <laughs> and like I said before. Uh, Brain and Mongo at this point pretty much agree that they believe it was the Steiners that were behind the tag. Uh, meanwhile, in the ring, Hawk and Rick uh, tag in their respective partners, and we're finally treated to the Animal Scott Steiner test of strength that was teased earlier. Finally. Finally. The test of strength is short-lived, though, as Brian Nobbs uh, gets in a blind tag on Animal and nails Scott with a forearm smash. Nobbs sends Scott into the unoccupied corner, but Scott bounces back and drops a nasty boy with the clothesline. Nobbs is undeterred, though, and gains enough advantage to suplex Scott Steiner. A nonchalant cover is broken up by both Hawk and Rick Steiner, who both kick him in the head. Uh, Brian Nobbs tags Jerry Sagsen, who immediately goes after Rick, who is not the legal man. However, the referee cares not, so why should we? <laughs> after a exchange of blows, uh, Sags picks up Rick and hits a backbreaker for a long two count. In comes Nobbs again, who sends Rick into the ropes and knocks him down with a, bl- a body block. Um, Rick makes mention of Rick Stein, uh, Eric Bischoff makes mention Rick Steiner gained the worst of the beings so far in this match. But at this point, I kind of feel like that all six men have had a pretty good opportunity to, to wrestle. Yeah, absolutely. Um, after an elbow drop, Nobbs' cover is broken up by Animal, who pulls his leg from, uh, from outside the ring. This makes Brian Nobbs so angry, <laughs> he makes a mistake of charging into the Road Warriors corner. And before long, the match breaks down into brawl number two. Rick Steiner hits a release belly-to-back suplex for a two while Nick Patrick permits the Road Warriors to beat the shit out of Jerry Sags at ringside. <laughs> so all, all the, the good the goodwill that Nick Patrick earned earlier, he's just now lost complete control. Um, at this point, Scott Steiner is in as a brawl uh, 
continues to break it up. So, like, no one knows who the Beagle Man is. Um, while Scott has knobs and a reverse chin lock, Monday Nitro goes to a commercial break. But not but not before Bobby Heenan yells about knobs is giving up, like, right before the commercial <laughs> break. Also, we get a moment where a Nitro set piece randomly blows up in purple fireworks. Yeah, it's like going to commercial. They're like, let's just put the logo on camera and then shoot off some pyro kind <laughs> of in front of it. <laughs> right. It's very weird. I just I just really like the part where Heenan's like, he's adamant that Nobbs <laughs> has given up. Uh, once we're back for a commercial, we see now that Animal's in the ring with Rick Steiner, uh, and they're both on the mat, and he has them in a leg lock. He drags Rick to his feet and sends him off the rope, misses one clothesline, misses two clothesline, and then we get a double clothesline. Jerry Say gets in the blind tag on Rick while he's crawled back while he was crawling back to his respective corner, and Animal tagged in Hawk, who is attacked before he even can get into the ring. Uh, however, Hawk is not in the selling mood, and as we all know, he's never in the selling mood, and he slams Sag to the mat. Sags tags in Knobs, who gains the upper hand before having a cover broken up at two by Rick Steiner. Uh, the Nasty Boys now double team Hawk until Knobs hits a good running bulldog. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. Yep. On Hawk, uh, but Hawk kicks out too. Rick Steiner makes the executive decision that he's a legal man now, and he hits another release belly to back suplex on Knobs. Hawk is fine with the turn of events, and he just leaves the ring. Rick turns to Scott, and uh, Rick takes in Scott, Knobs takes and Sags. There's a few moments of stiff moves as both, as both men want the upper hand, but Sags gets uh, the upper hand with a shoulder block. It seemed like one of those moments, um, and you'll see it occasionally, like in older wrestling matches, where it's like they're they're not like it seems like the two wrestlers aren't agreeing on what happens next. Sure. So they're just kind of like just wailing on each other and see who kind of gives up first. <laughs> it's one way to sell it. Yeah. Knobs uh, tags an animal, and Scott tags in Rick. Rick bag backs animal into the nasty boys' corner, which gives Brian Knobs a chance for a blind tag. He slams Rick to the mat and heads to the middle rope, but Rick catches him. A second rope belly-to-belly -belly suplex is prevented by both the Road Warriors, who send both of the men spilling out of the ring. While Rick and Knobs recover, there's action inside the ring. Unfortunately, the cameraman is not witnessing any of it. After Knobs throws Rick into the ring post, you catch the glimpse of Scott Steiner tossing him all of the ring. You can see a little bit of the action in the ring, and it's basically Scott Steiner just beating the shit out of everyone. <laughs> but the camera's like pretty much not interested in what's going on there. At this point, we get Public Enemy arriving on the scene in the form of Rocco Rock and a nastified <laughs> Johnny Grunge. Nastified. <laughs> who slides into the ring and immediately plays dead. Scott Sanders sees Brian. Well, you Knob might want to explain a little more what nastified is. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's dressed as Brian Knobs. Yeah. He has his hair up. Uh, you know, he's got normally kind of a cornrows thing well that's more rock a rock yeah but he's got his hair sort of fashioned to look more like a mullet where it's normally kind of just long hair mm -hmm. he's made it look more like a mullet um he's wearing brian knobs's outfit he, he's he's looking like the low rent brian knobs yeah and brian knobs is not exactly high rent <laughs> right. on a good day uh but yeah he he's pretending to be brian knobs basically yeah. um i just wanted to note though like he looks very convincingly from a distance like brian knobs absolutely so. I agree. It is a, a pretty convincing disguise. Yeah. So Scott Steiner turns around. He sees Brian Knobs just laying there and could just, like, shrug his shoulders and pin him. And uh, there's no effort to kick out. And so this is a really odd way for the Steiners to win. Although I felt like it kind of 
I felt like it played out really well as far as like if they w- really wanted to uh, make sure that no matter what, it's the Nasty Boys losing this match. Yeah, it um well for one thing it explains why Public Enemy wasn't in the match, I guess. Yeah. Um I did like when he gets in the ring, Mongo goes, Is that a nasty in the ring? And I just I like the term a nasty, like that's a noun that we use every day. Right. Um it just felt like to me a lot of match for this ending. Yeah, that's kind of what that was the one thing I didn't like because it felt like with all the effort those three teams are putting in, that you want like a more satisfying payoff. I mean, it's about fifteen minutes of wrestling. Yeah, for like a kind of a goofball, screwy, and and it, so it's not that I didn't like the match. It's not that I didn't like the ending. I just didn't like them together. Yeah, uh, but overall, it was it was it was all right. Yeah, I thought it was um, like I was sort of mentioning before. I liked the way that all six men had substantial ring time. Yes, I agree. And with not that. only that, but against like pretty much. Like, every guy faced every other guy for this match. Um, and there's a lot of power in that match. I mean, yeah. Nasty Boys are probably the smallest, weakest guys, and they're big, strong guys. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, they just, they maybe not have the conditioning that, you know, they're they're the odd men out in terms of work rate, but they weren't bad in this match by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. And it was also just, it was really, it was really cool seeing how, like, the Steiners could just throw the Nasty Boys around oh, whenever they wanted to. Yes. <laughs> Bischoff infers uh, from this that Public Enemy is the team that attacked the Nasty Boys. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, I mean, I know they're being dicks, but it seems like kind of a logical leap to go that far, but I guess that's just the decision. That's that's the reveal. <laughs> this this proves it. Right. I mean, you kind of feel like that if Eric Bischoff says it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> After a commercial, Woman and Liz escort Arn Anderson and the Taskmaster to the ring. Woman is in a sparkly, like, silver dress and Liz in black leather. Uh, I like it. I like the contrast, but I feel like it should be reversed. Liz okay. should be the one in, like, the sparkly ball gown, and mm-hmm. Woman should be in the more, like, leather dominatrixy type stuff. Yeah. We uh, get some more talk about the lethal lottery, and then the baby faces enter. Uh, Heenan says that he is sure that the booty man will have the booty... Booty... Booty Kimberly with him. <laughs> <laughs> he can't remember if she's like the booty gal or the <laughs> right. booty bitch or like. So she's finally just the booty Kimberly. The booty Kimberly. Now the introductions are out of the way. We go to a commercial, and as we come back, the booty man locks in an arm bar that arm reverses, and they kind of trade arm bars and some back and forth action. And let's go to an audio clip as Bobby Heenan makes a surprising announcement. <laughs> and we're getting ready to kick it off. Hulk Hogan and the Booty Man to take on Taskmaster and Arn Anderson. Uh, maybe I'm going to tell both of you gentlemen something right now. I think you should know. I didn't tell anybody until I picked this time to do it. Uh, tonight will be my last night on Nitro. I'm retiring from the sport of wrestling, and I'm retiring from broadcasting. Tonight is my last night on Nitro. Thank you. May I be the first to tell you goodbye? That's fine. You're welcome. Uh, be that... Be that as it may. Right now, it is the booty man left jabs. And so there you go. Uh, Bobby Heenan announces his retirement, kind of just in the middle of a nitro, in the middle of a booty man, Arn Anderson armbar. Maybe it was a result of of watching booty man. He's like, if I see him one more time. <laughs> yeah. When I watch those matches, I think about retiring from podcasting. So I understand how Heenan feels. Um, yeah, and it was like... Uh, 
for Bischoff and Mongo, it's like we're, they're in the middle of a match. Yeah. So it was really hard for them to like have like a reaction. It's like it was kind of it felt like the Tony Schiavone way of reacting to it. <laughs> well, it's sort of odd because Heenan, for his part, sounds very sincere. Yeah. Um, and Mongo responds like in character, like eh, "You're dumb. You got rocks in your head." You know, like. <laughs> Right. It it kind of the the way that they're both going through that doesn't doesn't jive well together. Yeah, yeah, because like I think Mago has like a good ridden sort of line at that yeah, point. Yeah, and Bobby doesn't respond with any insults or anything. He's just like, "Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I've really enjoyed working with you, and <laughs> yeah. uh, looking forward to the next chapter of my career." Your whole family's dumb. <laughs> I don't- I like I like that he's he's essentially like Larry the Cable Guy now. <laughs> the Booty Man catches an Arn Anderson kick and spins him around for an atomic drop. Then he hits an atomic drop on Kevin Sullivan, who runs in because he doesn't know that many moves. <laughs> Arn pulls him to the outside and throws him into the guardrail. He stalks after the Booty Babe, which angers Hogan, who clotheslines him and throws him back into the ring, where he and the Booty Man hit a double big boot on Anderson. Sullivan is tagged in, and he and Booty lock up. The Taskmaster is whipped into the corner but gets a boot up on the booty man and heads to the top rope. Uh, there's no sign of tension between Arn Anderson and Kevin Sullivan after their uh, giant base chicanery last week. Oh, yeah. Where Arn hit the giant with a chair and then blamed it on Sullivan and the giant wasted Sullivan. It's, there's just, it's all water under the bridge this week. I mean, along with the uh, the tease of the giants, like, turning face, it's like, they're just kind of pretending that whole ending didn't happen. Yeah, last week's main event was out of canon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Booty Man tosses uh, the Taskmaster off the top rope, which uh, clearly takes Kevin Sullivan a lot more work than Ric Flair, because he <laughs> strains to flip over. And I wonder if, like, maybe that's not what he was thinking when he went to the top, but Booty Man just went into, like dumbass mode <laughs> just kind of did like what he would do if it was flair plus the booty man does not let fucking anyone get an offense mm-hmm. so i think sullivan was going up for like a double axe handle and he was just like nope nobody gets an offense on the booty man it's just it's astounding how long um ed leslie has been around and he still knows like seven moves you know he knows seven moves and he can't sell and he refuses to sell yeah he he acts like he's he acts like he is Hulk Hogan instead of he's Hulk Hogan's fucking mate, you know? Right. He's, I mean, he's not even low rent. He's not even <laughs> low rate or low rent or whatever you call it. Uh, he gets a high knee on Sullivan and then goes after Arn, giving Sullivan time to recover. Arn is tagged in and he works the arm of the booty man. Arn has words with Randy Anderson while the Hulkster gets tagged in. Heenan claims that Kimberly has been brainwashed by Hogan and the booty man uh, by them forcing her to watch, quote, old videotapes. <laughs> Ooh. He's got he's kind of going for like a clockwork orange thing. But he never says like what they would be making her watch. It's just they brainwashed her with old video tapes. <laughs> I imagine it's like the it's like that uh, workout sequence from the Baywatch episode. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> just American made and him running while children do backflips <laughs> right on the beach. She just watches it so much. She's like. Hulk Hogan is the best. Yeah, and then he's like, well, you should love the booty babe. Booty, booty man. Eh, fuck it. Or, or whatever. Who fucking cares? <laughs> Who fucking cares? <laughs> Hogan dominates Arn and eventually drops him across the top rope for one count. Sullivan tries to break it up with an elbow drop, but Hogan moves, and Sullivan ends up elbowing Arn. Uh, Hogan runs Arn into the booty man's foot and tags in the booty man. They then hit a double clothesline. Arn regains control and tosses the booty man to the outside. 
where the entire fucking point of wrestling is that Kevin Sullivan will get heat for the heels by cheating and attacking the booty man while he's on the outside. Right. But the fucking booty man can't <laughs> let himself be weak for two seconds. So instead, Sullivan goes to attack him and Ed Leslie just beats him up on the outside for a little bit before getting into the ring. Yeah. Who does that build? How does that build heat? How does that get the audience involved? You know, they're supposed to see the heels cheating and go, oh, those fucking heels. I hope that guy kicks their ass. Mm-hmm. But instead, he just kicks their ass and they try to cheat and he kicks their ass some more. Who fucking cares about him then? What's the fucking point? Yeah. And it's like it's like you were mentioning earlier. I don't feel like he is always on offense because he's like it's an ego thing. Yeah. I just don't think he knows any better. Oh, I, I don't think he the, he just doesn't have that concept of like it needs to be like uh, even between the two competitors. Sure. sure. Uh, he's, he's like, well, there's a guy I probably should start hitting him or something. Booty Man flips over the top rope and comes into the ring with a sunset flip for a little Aloha Arn action. Sullivan breaks up the pin and is tagged in. Uh, he briefly dominates the Booty Man with punches before bringing Arn back in. Arn then hangs Booty Man on the middle rope where Woman rakes his eyes. Sullivan comes in and he tosses the Booty Man to the outside yet again. A <laughs> Booty Girl chant starts up, so I guess someone in this match is over. <laughs> Arn comes back in with stomps and a slingshot to the bottom rope. In the background, you can see Hogan threatening to punch the referee in the face for not disqualifying Arn, despite that move being completely legal. <laughs> That's a legal move. You can use the ropes. And uh, Hogan's just like, why didn't you DQ them? I will punch you in the face. You are one half of my size. What a fucking dick. Biggest baby face in wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's, like, uh, it's like Will Ferrell from Semi-Pro. Yeah. <laughs> If you, if, did you ever see that? Yeah, my memory's hazy. Yeah, where it's just like he thinks he's like the big hero, like he's like the big star and stuff. But like when when there's calls against him, he like threatens to like burn down the referee's <laughs> house and like <laughs> right. kill his That's family. Right. And then when he gets kicked out, he's like, "What? What I do?" <laughs> That's kind of an underrated movie. It's, I think is. people were tired of Will Ferrell sports movies, but that one <laughs> it, it's still good. It's funny on its own merits. Yeah. The part with the bear, especially speaking of wrestling. Yeah, that, that ties it in. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> a neat little package. <laughs> Sullivan comes back in the ring as the announcers speculate on uh, what if Hulk Hogan and Kevin Sullivan get teamed up in the Lethal Lottery. Uh, spoiler alert, Hulk Hogan has no intention of participating in the right. Lethal Lottery. Yeah. I, I, I think even like the casual fan would see some, like what the Lethal Lottery is and be like, no, there's no way Hulk Hogan's going to do yeah. that. He's, he's, a, he's soon to be taking one of his lengthy breaks from WCW. The booty man makes it over to Hogan, who uh, levels both heels with punches. He gets a big boot on Sullivan and then another on Arn. The booty babe takes off her shoe for some reason <laughs> and passes it to the booty man, who gives it to Hogan. Why are the baby faces cheating? Well, Hogan runs over to Sullivan, who also has a shoe, although the cameras have failed to pick up where he got it from. Right. So apparently they were answering cheating with cheating, but we, the audience, were never, like, we, we didn't get clued into that. Mm-hmm. Bischoff tells us that it was from Woman, uh, that's where Sullivan got the, the shoe from, and that the booty man had seen it and asked the booty babe for her shoe to counteract it. So retroactively, we are getting some explanation as to what's going on. It also, it also kind of sounds like revisionist history, too. Yes. But the way I saw it, it looks like the three are like looking at each other. There was no way they could see that, that, per, that they got the shoe. Yeah. Hogan nails uh, Sullivan with the shoe for the one, two, three. 
Yeah. After the match, a woman tries to attack Kimberly, but is run off. The faces celebrate in the ring. Kimberly dips the booty man and kisses him on the mouth, and I die a little on the inside. <laughs> as we see replays, Bischoff suddenly demands that we cut back to the ring as the heels are attacking the booty man. But by the time that we cut back, the cameras have completely failed to get the action, and instead, uh, the faces are just in the ring. Gene Okerlund joins them, and let's go to an audio clip. Oh, boy. Tall order there, Eric Bischoff. I've got to say, Hulk Hogan, Booty Man, Kimberly, the Booty Babe, what a shoe tonight here on WCW Monday Nitro, Hulk. Well, you know something, brother? You might as well say it was a shoe in, man. Thank God for the Booty Babe, brother. She's on top of her game at all times, if you know what I mean. As Kevin Sullivan, as Arn Anderson dropped to their knees, they said, Please, Mr. Booty, don't beat us up. Please, Mr. Hogan, give us a break. We had them right where we wanted them, brother. But by hook or by crook, every time we come out here, those guys seem to get the last lap, brother. All right. Holy. You know something? I'm tired of this. What's been going on here? And you're right. They're always getting the last lap in on us. They're always getting the last word. But I got something I've had on the back burner. And it's going to turn the tables. It's going to give us a little satisfaction. If you know what I mean, brother, you just got to be my partner on next Monday Nitro. Trust me, man. Just just be my whoa, partner. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second, brother. You know, I've been a strap matches, world title matches, steel cage matches, doomsday matches, and you're telling me that you've got something up your sleeve that will let us get the last laugh, brother. That's exactly right, brother. You just got to trust me. I can't give it away out here right now. That'd be too easy. What, you what, what, wait a minute, booty man. What in the world are you talking about? What kind of a match? I can't tell you right now, but I ain't going to show our down card yet. But it's going to put our put the shoe on the other foot. It's going to finally give us the upper hand and give us a little satisfaction. Well, you know something, brother? If you're telling me that you're going to figure something out where we can, let's say, kick their booty, brother, and you, me, and the booty babe Kimberly get the last laugh, we're throwing it out right now because as they were kicking your brains in, not only was Double A laughing, not only was the Taskmaster laughing, but the girls, brother, woman, and Liz was laughing too, brother. So you guys, if you want to get the last laugh, if you think you can, come on down because the booty man's got the plan. What's it all about? We'll kick their cans! I don't know if that's an April Fool's deal we'll or... we on next Monday, me. Well, it'll have to be a week from Monday. Eric Bischoff, let's get back to you. Holy shit, the booty man is a terrible promo. Like, yeah. I know that we're probably just piling on at this point, but yeah. the man is so bad on the mic. Uh, he, mean, he's he been around for such a long time, it's okay to pile on him because yeah. he's had <laughs> more than enough opportunity to get better at anything. And he's so he's such a focus right now when he's completely undeserving. Mm-hmm. No one was clamoring like, oh, that Zodiac's so great. I really wonder. <laughs> you know, he... It, luckily, we didn't have to watch it, but he fucking main evented Starcade. Uh, wasn't it Starcade '94? Was him versus Hogan when he's the butcher? Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Like that's insane. Yeah. How on earth could this guy be in a main event program in their biggest show of the year? It, it's baffling. He's so so terrible. Yeah. I try to be positive. I don't like you know picking guys apart. I mean they're working their ass off in the ring, but this guy is just a leech in the underbelly of Hulk Hogan. Right. Just, oh, he's fucking awful. 
Um, and, he, not, and not only that, like in comparison, when you were talking about the luxurious mullet of uh, Scott Steiner, yeah, he is like he is really like struggling with his mullet because stringy. He, oh, it's so gross. Uh, the Booty Man says that they want a rematch on the next Nitro where he has some kind of secret stipulation. Uh, at one point, he whispers it to Hogan, and Hogan is like, oh, shit, that's, oh, that's so good. What a crazy stipulation. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right, I mean, right away, as, as a wrestling fan, I'm like, they are way hyping this up because he's talking about, like, how they had the Doomsday match yeah. and, like, the six-man tag with the straps, but, like, this is going to blow everything away and i i won't spoil what it is right now but if it is very disappointing if you judge it on those <laughs> it is and, and a little bit disturbing uh but we will get there in a couple weeks and i do say a couple weeks because next week there is no nitro uh the next nitro will be on april 15th uh next week we are not taking the week off though as we are going to be covering the april 8th episode of the wwf Monday Night Raw. Yeah, first time going to the opposition. Yeah, so that'll be a little bonus action for you guys. Looking forward to seeing what's going on on the other channel for once. By the way, especially during this promo, they it makes it the wrestlers make it sound like that they think they're on next week. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. It's it and Bishop doesn't even clarify it right away. They don't really announce till the end of the show. He just kind of says, like, programming announcement, we are not going to be on the air next week kind of yeah. thing. And they don't say why, and if I read it, I forget. It's it's not important, whatever yeah, it is. I, I almost, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like during when they're talking about, like, this secret match that's going to, like, change the course of history, <laughs> Yeah, that uh, th they said it was going to be next week. I think they mentioned it. Could be. After a commercial, it's time for our main event. Here comes Lex Luger, and he, he always comes out right now with his dual champion thing, and he just tosses the belts on the ground so he can flex while his pyro goes off. Mm -hmm. And at first, I was like, when I was wa making my notes, I was like, I fucking hate the way he just tosses the belt on the floor. And then I was like, wait a minute. That means I love the way that he tosses those right. belts on the floor. That's that is exactly what he should be doing. Well, I know for a few weeks he was, like, handing them off to, like, uh, like, a, like a set person or a stage worker yeah. or something like that. But, yeah. Throwing the belts down like he could care less. He just comes out with two belts and immediately is like, fuck this. Got to flex. It's amazing. <laughs> you think these belts are awesome? Look at these pecs. <laughs> Rick comes out with Woman and Liz, who are uh, both pulling double duty this evening. Near the ring, uh, he, he he comes very close to an extremely animated uh, shouting woman with a mullet and a Mickey Mouse t-shirt. Yeah. She is just riding his ass and screaming. Right. And it, it completely distracts from the fact that he's actually in her area for a little angle because he's making eyes at a different woman who is sitting ringside, and it's Deborah McMichael, <laughs> Mongo's real-life wife. Hooray. So I almost missed that that was happening because I was like, holy shit, this woman in a Mickey Mouse shirt's really giving him the business. <laughs> Uh, but I kind of got it because the announcers start talking about it. Bischoff uh, spends like a f he, he spends a few compliments on how hot he thinks Deborah is. Yeah, and then uh, and Mongo kind of portraying himself as the like most laid back guy that I've always heard that he is. That he just everything is water off a duck's back. Yeah, even Flair, who he puts on the show, he puts over as like just the scum of the earth. Flair comes out and hits on his wife, and his re his response is. Well, he might be a low life, but at least he has good taste. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. 
Flair poses at Lex, which is hilarious, given yes. the body difference between right. the two. <laughs> he also bows to the greatness of the ladies who have escorted him to ring. I also liked... Uh, We've seen it quite a few weeks where, like, Rick thinks he got the upper hand on Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And will start flexing. Yeah. <laughs> that That's amazing. I, I think it's, like like you said, because he looks so much less compared to them that him flexing is just. I mean, he's amazing, and he's in great shape for his age, but, like, he yeah. looks a little bit like a melting candle at this point. You know, there's a muffin top thing going on. <laughs> right. It, flexing is not his strong suit, especially compared to Mr. 2% body fat or whatever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Bischoff takes this opportunity to wish Bobby the very best uh, with whatever or wherever he's going, implying not so subtly that Heenan is just going to be jumping back to the WWF. Ooh, as that, uh, that was nicely played, by the way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As Nick Patrick holds up the belt, it still says Macho Man on it. It has been <laughs> fucking forever since he won that belt from Macho Man. Match starts off with a collar elbow tie up, and Luger shoves Flair to the mat. Another tie-up results in an Irish whip and a shoulder block from Lex. Another is followed by Lex flexing. He then makes eyes at Liz, uh, who seems to be kind of receptive, which is interesting given in real life how their relationship will sort of blossom over the next few years. <laughs> uh, but woman drags Liz over to like the other corner so that and like gives her a stern talking to about how Flair is their man. <laughs> the announcers have not been paying any attention to what's going on, so they wonder why the women are giggling. Uh, and woman is not giggling. She's yelling at Liz. Yeah. And Heenan goes, oh, she probably got the rest of Macho's money. And they laugh like this is the funniest <laughs> goddamn thing they've ever heard in their life. I, I do. I do like that woman basically is like, I have to portray my character and also Liz's <laughs> character. <laughs> you're not supposed to do that. You're, you're supposed to not like him. <laughs> Flair wants a test of strength, and then he, when he gets in it, he and woman both sell like he's dying. <laughs> he sells like it hurts so bad, this like you know little finger pain that he's in, yeah. and woman just screeches like a, a <laughs> trapped animal or something. Luger hits a press slam and flexes at Flair as Flair rolls to the outside to regroup. You, you, you have called flexing like three or four <laughs> times already that's awesome there's more to come <laughs> flair asks for another test of strength but this time instead hits a cheap shot kick and gets a second press slam for his troubles flair fights back into it by working the right arm and ribs of luger he goes for an irish whip but lex is too strong lex tries his own but flair elbows him and struts struts is the new flexing <laughs> <laughs> Flair goes up to the top, and the crafty veteran Luger has it well scouted and throws him <laughs> down. <laughs> and Irish whips him into the opposite corner and hits a couple huge clotheslines. Yeah, that's the most credit you've ever <laughs> given him in the ring. <laughs> the second clothesline sends Flair to the outside, where he stomps around like a three-year-old having a temper tantrum before heading to the back. Woman talks him uh, into returning to the ring, which Bischoff says is, is important because he's about to get conned out, but... He's the champ, and he can't lose the belt on a countout, so I don't know why that's a good strategy. Yeah. Just let him leave. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I never... I mean, I know you're just going to destroy wrestling entirely, but if you're, like, a chicken shit heel, leave every match. Like, just leave, just constantly leave. Yeah. They're always, like, leaving and then deciding to come back or getting thrown back. I want, like, next time Seth Rollins is a chicken shit heel champ, I want him to legitimately leave, like, six matches in a row. Just, right. just he'll be wrestling, and then he just sprints to the back, and there's no <laughs> catching him. Even if he did that once on Raw, that'd be hilarious. Yeah. Give, that, me, give me one time. 
like it, he he's out there so fast so they can show him like in the in the limo before the <laughs> before it's even at Ted. <laughs> Both men exchange chops and punches until Luger gets control and hits a third press slam. Uh, so any credit that I was giving him in the ring is quickly evaporating because he is running out of shit to do, and it's not that long into the match. And it's noticeable with the impact that this has on the crowd because they were huge for the first press slam, still pretty big for the second one, and dead silent for this one. Yeah, They've seen it. They right. know you can lift him up. <laughs> he, th- he does on this third one, though, switch things up by instead of just dropping Flair to the mat, he drops him across the top rope, so at least there was a little bit of variation. Yeah. Luger gets hot and hits some clotheslines and stomps, but the crowd, who were very hot earlier in the match, uh, has died off due to his repetitive offense. Lex tries to scare the women up the aisle, and as he gets back to the ring, Flair knees him, and he flies back into the guardrail. Woman sneaks back up to him and gouges him in the eyes. Luger climbs back into the ring, and Flair stomps him around for a while before choking him to a five count. As he gets warned by Nick Patrick... Woman gouges Lex's eyes a bit more, as Bobby speculates that Woman is mad at Luger for saying something mean about her gown. (laughs) Flair goes for the figure four, and Luger sells for a while before going down to his back for a two count. Flair starts slapping him, and Luger flexes, which is the exact spot that Flair always does with Sting, where he starts slapping him, and Sting beats his chest. They've just supplemented flexing for chest beating. (laughs) Lex then reverses the hold. Woman squeals like a pig. Flair lets the hold go and tosses Luger to the outside. Nature Boy then joins him and whips him into the guardrail, but Luger no-sells and comes back with a clothesline of his own. The crowd is back into it now, and Luger leaps over the top rope for a sunset flip, but Flair grabs the top rope, stopping him. For some reason, Nick Patrick decides that he wants to cheat, and he blatantly kicks Flair's uh, hand, which was holding him up right using the rope, yeah. and Flair goes down for the for the sunset flip. There's... I, he wasn't doing anything illegal. He was holding onto the rope. This is not even the first time that we've seen Nick Patrick interfere with Ric Flair doing something legal in a match. <laughs> like, I, he just hates Ric Flair. I mean, I get why he would, but he's still a paid official. Yeah, it's just like, well, he sees that Flair's holding the rope for some reason. It can't be good, so I got to <laughs> stop it. <laughs> He he has to like jump kick his hand too. It's like it's <laughs> kind of athletic for Nick Patrick anyway. Luger blocks a hip toss and gets a backslide for two. The total package whips Flair into the corner where Flair goes up and over. He w- runs down the ring apron to the next turnbuckle and climbs it, coming off with an axe handle attempt. Coming off with an axe handle attempt, but Lex catches him in midair. Lex puts him back on the turnbuckle, but Flair fights him off. Luger gets back up to the second rope and hits a superplex, and the crowd is back. Flair begs and Luger flexes. Luger gets a slow-motion power slam as Woman grabs a cup from a fan. Luger locks on the torture rack and Liz distracts the ref so Woman can throw the allegedly hot coffee in Luger's face. Flair gets the pinfall victory with a roll-up as Sting sprints out. Flair and Woman bail, and Flair talks shit to fans on his way up the aisle and (laughs) ends with some more flexing. (laughs) In the replay uh, that follows, you can see that Woman was almost completely prevented from getting the planted cup. It was like, she gets the cup from a security guy who must have been told, like, just hold this cup and give it to Woman when the time comes. Yeah. But she's almost physically prevented from doing so by that fucking woman in the Mickey Mouse shirt (laughs) who is just not going to allow any of that happening on her watch. Right. It would have been, I wonder what they would have done if she just slapped the cup out of Woman's hand because she was trying. (laughs) It is it is very very real to the woman in the Mickey Mouse shirt. Yeah, I I just I noticed I was like, 
because they emphasize a lot like you could see the steam coming off of this cup of coffee. I'm like, I'm like, no, you can't. No, because it's like the very top is folded shut to try to keep some of the liquid in there while she runs around. Yeah. So like, you can't see steam because it's it's conspicuously like shut to keep liquid inside. Right. Uh, after that, the announcers talk their way out of the show, and Bobby uh, has another announcement. And the booty's gonna come up with some kind of a new match. What is tell- that about? I don't know, but I want to tell you one thing, gentlemen. One thing. My last night tonight. What are you going to do? I'll extend my yeah. hand here. Have a nice lunch, Oh, oh buddy. by the way, April Fool's. Oh. <laughs> oh. Jeez, a man. We'll see you here in two weeks. WCW Nitro on TNT. Hogan, Booty Man, the Booty Babe, Mixed Tag. That wasn't that funny, Heenan. That wasn't everybody. that funny. Everybody in the whole we'll country. We'll see you in two weeks. We'll see him in two weeks. <laughs> I'm Eric Fischoff for Bobby the Brain. He's Steve Mongo McMichael. And there you have it. The show essentially ends with Bobby cackling at his own genius. Yeah. Uh, well, Bischoff reminds us that we will be back in two weeks for the next episode of Nitro. Yeah. Uh, the other two announcers, like, they they really are do a bad job hamming it up with that. But it's, it's safe that, like, Bobby Heenan is just laughing his ass off, like, like it, he just invented the funniest <laughs> shit ever. It's a, it's pretty awesome. It's this thing I call April Fools. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna tell you one thing, and it'll actually be another. Anyway, uh, so that was our episode, Dave. What did you think of the episode overall this week? Um, I thought it was all right. There, like, there's, there was a lot of like kind of confusing decisions that they made. Yeah. Um, especially with like the giant not being a like just kind of pretending like last week didn't happen. There was a lot of like last week didn't happen sort of things. Sure. Uh, I really liked the the triangle tag team match. Um, everything else kind of felt like I've seen it before. Yeah, I agree. Uh, to me, this episode was just one of those. Uh, it was just kind of there. It took up a week. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, there's weeks where we pound our head against the wall and there's weeks we praise it to high heaven. Yeah. This was just like, that was Nitro. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, I I watched it. Now what else is on? You know. Yeah. Um. So it, it was all right, uh, Dave. What was your? And I feel like I know the answer already. But what was your match of the night? My match of the night was the triangle tag team match. Um. I felt like, like I mentioned before, that all guy, all f- six guys got the opportunity to kind of showcase themselves, and uh, it was something that was different because they haven't done a triangle tag team match yet. And uh, yeah, I just thought it was. Uh, it was. It, it didn't have like a really good flow to it because it was like tag, 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 tag. But everyone kind of got to show off their skills, so I thought it was really good for all six men. Uh, given the way that I felt like the ending kind of undercut that match, I'm actually going to give match of the night to Luger Flair. Uh, okay. There were some issues there too with Luger's repetitive offense killing the crowd, but mm-hmm. the crowd was very hot to begin with and very hot at the end. Yeah. Um. And Luger, you know, it did a good job of of showing off Luger, uh, letting him kind of play straight babyface for a while, you know, because so much of his stuff is is heel and then fake babyface just to make Sting like him. Mm-hmm. But this week he's he's kind of all in as a babyface. He saves Sting from the giant in the beginning. He you know fights the dastardly Ric Flair in the main event without yep. cheating or anything. Uh. So so I like Luger and Flair is Flair. Um, yep. And a uh, woman was was fantastic in that main event. A woman was fantastic all night. In fact, I'm going to name woman 
my MVP of the show. Oh, wow. Uh, she had a big impact. She was doing a great job playing her character. She played off something natural that happened with Liz, kind of giggling at Luger, giving her the eyes, and turned that into like a moment, you know, that, that fit her character. Yeah. Uh, so uh, she, she pulled off that coffee thing very well, considering that there was a fan physically trying to prevent her from doing so. Right. So, yeah, woman is my MVP of the show. Who was yours? Um, boy, um... I'm going to give my MVP to Johnny Grunge. Ooh, for <laughs> just for looking like Brian Nobbs? <laughs> for, having, for having the audacity to want to look like Brian Nobbs. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> and, and also for like, for such like, <laughs> for such a scheme that could just blow up in your face terribly, he pulled that off really well. And, and just like, marveling at the fact that there's like another person on this planet that could look like Brian Hobbs. <laughs> so I'll give it to Johnny Crutch. All right. In our raw recap, uh the night before today, so you know, March thirty first, ninety six, the boyhood dream was fulfilled. Finally. As, as Shawn Michaels won the WWF championship after defeating Bret Hart in an Iron Man match that is either a master class on how wrestling is supposed to be done, or a very, very boring, dragged-out match uh, that is vastly overrated by people today. Out of curiosity, we're not a WWF show, but out of curiosity, uh, where do you come down on that? And and probably for the audience, it helps to know that Bret Hart is one of your all-time favorite wrestlers. Yeah. <laughs> Even with Bret Hart being an all-time favorite wrestler, that match is boring as hell, in my opinion. Uh, the thing, I don't, I don't know if they changed it on the network or if they changed it since then, but they had like the running clock from the second the match started all the way through. And I felt like that there's no way that's not going to make it feel super, super long. Yeah. What they do now is kind of the, the clock comes up at certain moments kind of thing. Yeah. I, I, I just couldn't remember if they, if they have like edited that now. I don't know. That's uh that's a good question. I'm more with you. I, yeah. I, it's not a match that I love. Um, those two guys have much better matches together. You know, yeah, so. and um, I always felt like because like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels have both shown that they can wrestle a while. Right. But I think there was like way, way, way too much worrying about pacing and, and worrying about like uh, having like a full entertaining hour. Right. Um, like when they do like the like the ring the when the the ringside guy gets knocked out with the super kick. Yeah. And they kind of like distract you with that for a while. Um I like I like the ending. Yeah, I like that it uh is a zero zero tie going into overtime. I like I like that these guys wrestled for an hour and couldn't put each other away. I've always thought that was uh if you're gonna do it, I thought that was a cool way to do it. Yeah, and I felt like it was a good way to not only um have Shawn Michaels come out on top, but like Bret Hart looks good with like his Oh yeah. Like it's still kind of weird that like uh, Bret Hart would would be thinking like he wasn't told about this I, sudden death thing, and that they kind of like threw it on him. That seems like something you like because they have like these n- notorious wrestler contract signings. Yeah. So you think that would be something that would be in the details, <laughs> or maybe he didn't read the contract. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I thought I th- that that's like a great moment in the WWF. Um, but the match itself, there's just like. Just thinking about it, I'm like, I wouldn't want to sit down and watch, like, the whole thing. Well, Hart right now is uh, pondering retirement. 
He's considering negotiating with WCW. He's kind of just taking some time off and taking stock of mm-hmm. of uh, personal and professional decisions right now. So we will see how that shakes out in the coming months. Anyway, on Raw itself, Mick Foley debuted as Mankind, defeating Bob Holly. Uh, really great debut. Just such a different character. So very dark and disturbing. Mm-hmm. That squealing that he does as he applies the mandible claw. Yeah. Uh, just it was. I I watched this raw and I I thought it was great. And um, the um and the promos leading up to his debut are just like unnerving. I also love with mankind the way that he has different uh post match music from his entrance music, the kind of like music that's supposed to calm down like the rage inside him yeah that's cool speaking of debuts our old friend mark marrow debuted uh in ring he actually debuted at wrestlemania giving a promo okay this was his in ring debut no longer johnny bad he's now the wild man mark marrow which is a very poorly defined character which he will be the first to admit he he's said that he didn't know what the fuck a wild man was supposed to be (laughs) and because of that lack of connection uh we will see uh, over time how how the wild man mark marrow fares in the wwf anyway he debuted and defeated isaac yankum the body donnas your tag team champions defeated the team of aldo montoya and barry horowitz and the undertaker defeated justin hawk bradshaw by disqualification when mankind came back out and fucked up the undertaker <laughs> it was the mankind show <laughs> sorry everyone's favorite Mankind. Well, it is. It's interesting though to see over on WWF how much former WCW stars are making an impact. Uh, because we didn't mention him; he's not on this show. But Steve Austin is certainly in that mix. Mm-hmm. You know, something that um, McMahon will gripe about is how uh, it, it is. It's not exactly the same. He'll talk about how WCW steals his stars. Instead, he takes the castoffs, the guys that WCW let go. Yeah, and he, you know, Vader as well, uh, another guy. Mm-hmm. And he takes these cast-offs, and he focuses the show around them, and it's very compelling. Uh, you know, I think all those characters, with the exception of Wild Man Mark Marrow, right. uh, you know, there's there's something cool going on there. Yeah, and it's and it also seems like um, he Vince is more willing to take these guys on uh, once there's competition with WCW. Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, the, I I feel like that there was definitely a time when like with with like NWA and WCW that like he did like. Oh no, those are like those guys. Like I, right. I don't want those guys. Besides, like Ric Flair, because he was just like such a big star. Or if he took them, they became something completely different than they were. You know, he took Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard and made them the Brain Busters. And all the stuff he did to Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> all of the things <laughs> he did to poor Dusty Rhodes. <laughs> oh man. In our ratings, Raw uh, won the week with a two point nine to Nitro's two point eight. But I think given the fact that last night was WrestleMania, yeah. the fact that they won by point one is almost like not winning, yeah. really. You know, mm-hmm. that's a that's a tie, basically. Uh, in wrestling news, the Road Warriors gave their notice a couple days ago after finding out what Nash and Hall were getting paid to, to join WCW. <laughs> uh, however, the kind of the way the story works out, their contract, they're not on contract. They have like an offer sheet, which is some sort of slightly less legally binding you know document they signed this offer sheet uh if they want to quit they can do that um but they have to have a matching offer from another organization which they do not have so everyone kind of kisses and makes up and they don't actually leave wcw right now we're we're gonna leave well you can't oh good point (laughs) (laughs) 
Touche. <laughs> Fucking Ted Turner's lawyers. Like, what, <laughs> do you think they weren't going to notice? Or Anyway, that's about all the wrestling news. Uh, WrestleMania just happened. You know, WWF is riding high from that. And we are, um, you know, in terms of the wrestling season, kind of kicking things up. Well, I guess you could say kicking things off in earnest. Or you could say starting the doldrums i mean some post mania is when wwf kind of goes into a lull yeah and we are seeing with wcw that lull probably was hopefully hopefully it was uncensored and hopefully things are going to pick up now with you know some more exciting action certainly we know that the debut of scott hall is imminent and that's going to have quite an effect on things Mm -hmm. uh but until then it'll be interesting to see how these two behemoths continue uh, offering each other body blows right yeah <laughs> i don't know, I don't uh, know. <laughs> anyway that is all that we have this week so please join us next time right here when we talk about the april 8th 1996 episode of monday night raw i don't know <laughs> what to call it it's not it's not where the big boys play anymore uh, it's the new generation. Is yeah, this, is this still new generation at that point? Or yeah, is that like yes, because they refer to Shawn Michaels when they introduce him on the April first uh, Raw for his promo as the leader of the new generation. Of course, he is. So <laughs> join us next week where the new generation plays twenty years of Nitro. Well, I'm sure the Booty Man will have uh, the Booty Kimberly with him. Well, this-